This is the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast, presented by eCity Interactive. eCity creates websites, marketing campaigns, and magic for higher ed institutions, large and small. Every digital challenge has a solution. eCity's talented team of problem solvers will help you find yours. And now, here's your host, Stephen App. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the second episode of Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast. I am your host, Stephen App. Uh, really great show today. We have from Temple University, Gina Benigno, who is a video production manager, uh, where she's been since 2012. Uh, Gina is a two-time graduate of Temple and currently leads the university-wide vision for video content within the Department of Strategic Marketing and Communications. In her spare time, she's a hustler. She's a video uh, producer, a freelance video producer, uh, working on compelling videos for nonprofits, weddings, and pretty much everything in between. So uh, Gina Benigno, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I feel like we should just, we'll just jump right into the bigger picture here because part of the reason I wanted to have you on this podcast was because I feel like everywhere I look, everybody is just touting video marketing. It's, you know, it's the biggest marketing trend that's out there. Every blog post you read, everyone's telling you to invest in video marketing. Like, how, why is that? How did we get here? How did we get to the point where video marketing is everything? I think a, a major component to why video is so ubiquitous digitally right now is, is social media. Everyone's got a smartphone. Everyone has access to Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. All of these platforms are giving that vehicle, you know, for video to really permeate the digital space. I know here at Temple, we're constantly trying to innovate with our social media platforms, um, figure out the best ways to crank out our videos. It's not as simple anymore as just throwing a video up on the internet and hoping it sticks. Because there's so much access to social media, you really need to be in tune with your social media presence in order to get the most out of the videos that you're producing now. And do you feel like, I mean, for, for all these experts out there that are saying that you should invest in video, you're, you're drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak. You're, you're in line with that and you feel like this is kind of a must-have for, for higher ed institutions out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think a, a big thing that can be intimidating about video is that you need to invest a lot of resources, whether it's technically or people that know how to use video production equipment in order to really successfully you know, create a video presence for yourself online. But it, it really doesn't take that much um, to effectively use video um, on the web today. I know uh, personally we have folders of what we call evergreen video content. Um, We have a drive. Um, I work closely with our social media teams to come up with 10 to 15 second clips of what it means to be at Temple, what it means to be a Temple University student. It really is incredible to see how much engagement a 10-second clip of the Philadelphia skyline or a Temple University flag waving on Broad Street will get versus a heavily invested in, produced video. It really is that easy, just getting out there and being consistent with it. Do you think that's part of the reason that videos are being consumed so heavily is because of the ease of use. I know it seems like a weird catch 22 or, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg, but because it's so easy now to create videos, 
it's now just so easy to consume those videos. The more you produce it, the more you expect to see it. Do you see it working out that way? Yeah, I think the most intimidating thing about how easily accessible and produced video is today is, I know for us, we can't keep up sometimes. Um, We are really trying to experiment with new um, features on platforms like Snapchat. Now there's Instagram live video, you have Facebook live. We produced uh, some clips when we were at the military bowl, uh, our football team went down there um, and we tried to crank out some clips to show the experience during the parade before the game took place. We were kicking them to our social team within five, ten minutes, but those five, ten minutes in social media time are so quick that there probably have already been, you know, dozens of videos and photos already released on social media. So it's just wrapping your head around being able to crank that content out fast enough to keep up with how quickly social media moves today. And how are you handling with the social channels? Because some are using algorithms now to give content a little bit extra life, whereas some are still, I guess some really, it's Twitter, are still more chronological, you know, they're just purely chronological. How are you handling the different networks and how they feed content in terms of how much you have to crank them out and how quickly you have to crank them out? One of the biggest lessons I've learned while producing content at Temple University is leveraging the experts in your departments. We went from being an isolated video production unit that was posting videos online, and that was it, one and done. Now we are working with our colleagues um, from content and from our digital strategy teams, the people that know how social media works, the people that are watching those algorithms change, we're getting insights from them on the best ways to edit and export our videos on all of the different platforms that Temple University has a presence on. And it's proven to be so much more effective to have someone from social media at the table, giving us their expertise on how video is going to work best for whatever the platform is that we're sharing it on. Can you take me through that partnership a little bit? Because I'm curious, you know, how often, what is your communication like? Are you meeting? Are you in person on a weekly basis? Or is it Slack or email? Or, I mean, how does that partnership kind of play itself out? So we're really fortunate at Temple. Our department is strategic marketing and communications at Temple University. And our department is one big room with people from content, people from web, digital strategy, advertising, you have executive communications, the writers, people that are producing publications. We're all in the same room. We're all meeting regularly. It's as easy as walking across the room and asking someone, what do you think about this? How can we get the most out of this video? We've really shifted our mindset from producing content that only has one purpose to seeing the variety of different um, goals it can help achieve across all of the different kinds of things we're producing to support the university's goals and initiatives. So it's it's just, you know, being a part of our department, we're only one part, the video unit. So it's it's having those weekly meetings. We, we not only meet weekly, but it, it's just um, constantly staying in touch with each other. And it's it's we're lucky because we all are in the same room. So it is so easy to really get the most out of the stuff we're creating. So my first thought would be that you are by nature a centralized unit and mm-hmm. that you're all together and you have these different individuals from different departments coming together to communicate in real time and collaborate. You're a big university. How does this play out with individual schools and colleges and uh, what's working, what's not working? Uh, can you take me through that relationship? Because I think for mm-hmm. big universities, that's kind of a sticking point here. 
Yeah, well, I, at least from the video production side of things, I will get emails and calls from our campus partners from a particular school or college that is looking to have a video produced. I know recently we worked with our um, annual fund folks to produce a video inspiring young alumni to give back to Temple. Um, And they had a lot of questions. They weren't really sure what kind of video would resonate the best. We brought them into our office, met with them, understood what their goals were, that they were trying to achieve. And we worked together. We went back and forth, did some brainstorming, came up with a couple great ideas, a couple not sure how that will flesh out ideas. And we eventually settled on a really compelling storyline instead of just, you know, deciding that we were going to shoot a video and shoot it. We made them a part of the conversation and really listened to what they were trying to achieve. And then as, as a video production manager, I was able to take a step back and see what would work best as a video narrative. And it was really just all about including whoever it is that you're producing content for in the conversation from the very beginning, not taking orders, not um, setting a certain expectation without really getting to know what the, the goal is that they're trying to get across. So it's just starting that conversation as early as you can in the production process seems to have been really beneficial for us as a, as a production unit. And how are you ensuring that they know you exist? I mean, again, you're a large institution, someone from the annual fund, I mean, what is the plan for making sure that those individuals, that those stakeholders, campus partners, what you will, know that they have you at their disposal as a resource or at, you know, as a marketing tool, for lack of a better word? We're relatively new. I want to say we're about three years old, um, this central unit that we've established. And it, it's really been a lot of word of mouth, bringing campus partners in, meeting with them, having small one-on-one meetings and having larger meetings. I know monthly our department holds a chief communicators meeting where we have all of the different um, communicators from schools and colleges and units who are handling Um, you know, electronic, uh, digital, print communications for their respective um, part of the university come in with everyone else sit in one room and chat about um, whether there's upcoming trends that we want to give them some information on or just to get together and see what other campus partners are doing. So we're really trying to become that central unit that people can look to for advice and answers to questions that they have. The coolest thing about my job is getting to tell stories of so many different kinds of people, um, from doctors that are working at Temple University Hospital and saving lives to a student who is um, a brilliant violin player and his professor who's been his mentor. It's those stories, the, the range of stories we get to tell is so incredible and it's, it's my favorite part of my job for sure. So let's talk storytelling. One of my favorite videos that you have done is this series, I think you've done it a couple times now, about move-in day and this really emotional, you know, uh, momentous day for incoming freshmen and, and really just capturing this entire, almost a documentary style about their day. So how do you come up with these opportunities and what does that process look like and are you seeing results in that form of storytelling? I think the biggest... Um lesson that we learn every time we produce a video the following year since we are at a college and these types of events like move-in day or commencement or the new student convocation, they're happening every year. So initially we 
approached move-in day as event coverage. Let's show a montage of happy parents and, and you know, sending their students off to college and the whole move-in process. Um, and then when 2014 rolled around, we'd already been doing the event coverage kind of video for a while. And while it gets great engagement, we wanted to push the envelope and innovate a little more. So we thought, you know, what is really going to resonate with viewers? an actual story they can relate to. So we identified a student in 2014. We actually identified two students, um, went to their homes, got them packing up the car, interviewed the parents, um, siblings, and uh, hooked some GoPros onto the dashboards of their cars just to, to show a different perspective than your typical event coverage video. The video was so successful. Um, I, th- I think now it, it has more than 10,000 views on YouTube. Um, And this year we decided to approach that again because it was so successful, but this time with different students. So you can tell the same story, but through the eyes of different people. So approaching move-in day by choosing a student this year, we went to Baltimore, Maryland, um, and found a student and, and interviewed her parents and her little brother and got them packing up the car and coming to Temple, showing that kind of out-of-state experience. Because in 2014, we were in Philadelphia and a Pennsylvania suburb. So this year, we thought, let's go the extra mile and actually travel. And, and see someone's journey from Baltimore all the way to Temple. Um, and, and it's cool because we, we get to know the family. Um, and oftentimes I will run into the students that we profile throughout um, their time at Temple. So now I see that student all the time. I see her at all the football games. And it, it, it makes you feel good to know you told the student's story and they're acclimating well to Temple. And, and parents especially want to see videos like that where they're you know, they they can relate just as much as the prospective students we're trying to market to can relate to because it's not just the students that's making this decision always. It's it's a lot of other different factors as well. So it's it's approaching that audience um, from a lot of different angles so that we're we're talking to more than just just a group of students. We're really talking to people that can can relate to the stories that we're telling. What is the investment for something like that? You're mentioning going to Baltimore. Is this a one day Shoot, I mean, how do I dare ask how early you're getting up in the morning to go down to Baltimore on move-in day? And that is another reason why I can't stress enough the importance of working with different units at your university and realizing that whether it's a written story, whether it's advertising, a website, or a video, it is a group effort. So we're lucky that we get to sit down with our content team, the folks who are writing the stories that might appear underneath of our video. We can sit down with them, figure out, okay, how do we want to tackle this? What time do we have to wake up? Who wants to come with us? Who's going to help as I hang out the, the passenger side door to get that shot of them driving up Broad Street? So so for this one, we I worked with my, my colleague, Megan, who wrote the story, who interviewed the, the, the parents and, and uh, the student that we were featuring. We got up, I think, I think we left Temple at like 4.35 in the morning and made our way down to Baltimore, got there at around 7-ish. And I think it was, I don't know if it was totally three hours away, but it, it was a drive. Um, so we we worked as a team, got up early, got down there. We were able to drive down there and, and get this student, Hanaya, waking up and, and her dad 
getting her out of bed and then packing up the car. So it was an all-day event, but I was lucky that I had one of my colleagues there with me to help, you know, interview the family and, and drive the car, which was the most important <laughs> most important part. I had a driver, so that was safe and fun. It was a really fun day, and it's, it was really great to get to know the family, too. No filming while driving no. is the takeoff. No, <laughs> Have a driver. Have a right. designated driver whenever you're filming in a car. That's the number one tip of the day. <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum, you have a series which is a little newer, uh, which is this World Without Temple campaign. And a big part of that are alumni vignettes. So going in, a, in a, at the total other end of the spectrum here with a different audience. Can you tell me what's been successful with those videos? It still very much hinges around storytelling, but obviously the call to action is different. The emotion you're trying to elicit is different. So how do you tackle something like that? So looking at the move-in video, that might be really targeting prospective students and their families, people who want to learn more about the temple experience and what it's like to come here. Our World Without Temple campaign, when we initially launched it, um, had a primary focus on alumni, temple alumni who are making an impact in their communities, um, in the country, in the world. And that is us trying to elicit that sense of pride for your school, um, a feeling that, you know, I went to Temple, look look at what my fellow alumni are doing. We, we've gotten to do so many cool profiles from the executive director of the Greater Philadelphia Film Office, Sharon Pinkinson. We did a story on Dan Baker, who's the famous voice of the Philadelphia Phillies. So many entrepreneurs, artists. We went down to New Bern, North Carolina, and uh, produced a profile on Kevin Sproles, a Tyler alum who created the iconic illustration style for the Wall Street Journal way back in the day. And he was a Temple alum. So it's really fun for us to get to tell these stories Still keeping in mind, you know, we're, we're telling stories here. We're creating a narrative. But, but this audience, we're more so trying to empower and create that sense of pride. And now moving forward into the spring, we're expanding our World Without Temple campaign to not just focus on alumni, but faculty, students, grad students, really anyone at Temple and those who have graduated from Temple who are making impacts. And it, it's, it's a really fun campaign to be a part of. And how are you judging success on these videos? Because it's not as simple. Everybody wants the vanity metrics. We have this many likes and comments. And how are you determining success for for your videos here? Well, it's funny because there's nothing more heartbreaking, I feel like, than pouring your heart and soul into a video and then getting only a few views, a few likes. But then we'll post a video of a squirrel running across Temple's campus with a pizza crust in their mouth, and it will go viral. So you can only control so much, but I I feel like it's all in how you work it and looking at a video not as just a one-stop shop. All right, this video's done, on to the next one. So we're repurposing our content. We will take a video profile now cut it into a 30-second clip that we can post on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook that then has a link directing them to our YouTube channel to watch the full video. So just keeping them engaged um, with how quickly our social feeds are moving nowadays, I think the average view duration you'll get from people is like 12 seconds or something crazy like that. It is neat to, to be able to leverage some free aspects that you have to analyzing how your videos are doing on YouTube, especially. YouTube analytics is free to anyone that has a YouTube account. We can log in and click on a particular video, look at a particular time frame, um, and see what our average view duration is. I think right now, 
on average, people are watching our videos for about a minute and 38 seconds. So that kind of dictates that we don't produce videos that are more than two minutes. The two minute mark is like an hour nowadays, which is insane. <laughs> Because back in the day when I first started at Temple in 2011, we weren't too conscious of the time. Three, four, five minute videos. Now, two minutes is like the max. So, but that doesn't say to eliminate anything that's longer than two minutes. You could have a video that feels like it's 30 seconds and it in reality is a six minute video because the story is so compelling. But having a tool like YouTube Analytics to look at, you know, how long people are staying on your page. Where's the traffic coming from? 30% of our videos are coming from external traffic. So that means videos that are being embedded in our news center on news.tumble.edu. They might be embedded on Twitter. So it just it gives you a better sense of if what you're doing is doing anything out there in the digital space. It's not just storytelling. It's not just emotional. Sometimes you also have to approach things as just trying to add value. Yeah, totally. Because when you think of your daily life, when you're on Google or YouTube and you're searching for something, you're, you're using keywords, things that you, you know, would hope would bring back the results that you're looking for. One video in particular that honestly really surprised us and how much it is still engaged with from when we produced it in 2014 was Cap and Gown 101, Wearing Your Academic Regalia. And since then, this video is in the top five vi most viewed videos on a weekly basis. It has more than 30,000 views, and it is of our... Uh, a faculty member at Temple um, who walks in the commencement processional every year in a very witty manner, telling people how to wear their cap and gown. What side do you keep your tassel on? How do you, you finagle the zippers? And, and what do the different sleeves mean for graduate and undergraduate and doctoral gowns? The video just took off, and it's so simple. Students want to know how to put their cap and gown on. I don't know if you've ever tried to put that stole on over top. Not easy. <laughs> You think you've got it, and then when you get there that day, everyone's looks different. So it was just so interesting to see that this video that we made two years ago is still searched for, and it's still watched, and it's still engaged with because it's answering a question. How do I put my cap and gown on? What side do I wear my tassel on? So it, it's just those little questions that... From a university perspective, it's it's thinking more literal when it comes to YouTube. What are people searching for? What questions do they want answered? And, and then go out and answer them. Yeah. Okay, so it seems like storytelling, obviously very important to the success of your videos, Uh, being you know, valuable, being a resource, meeting your students where their actual needs and questions are. Uh, any other tips, I guess, that the school should know about in terms of uh, making the most of their video marketing? My advice for keeping your content authentic and, and engaged with, essentially, is to do a little digging on the back end. You want to research your audience, what their interests are, what they're doing online, you know, what really speaks to them. And uh, we kind of struck gold with this while we were doing some research on student life and what Temple students were possibly searching for on YouTube. Something as simple as sitting at your desk and typing away different keywords into YouTube, college life, student life, 
the name of your university, type it into YouTube, type it into Google, see what results are coming back. Um, We did this and kind of really struck gold in the sense that we were seeing a lot of high school and college students were vlogging. And for those of you who don't know what a vlog is, it's like a video blog, um, so to speak. Um, We were seeing crazy results. High school students, you know, people that are not in college yet, to students that were attending Temple, getting, you know, 50,000 views on a video, five, six, seven minute video of them walking around their campus, filming their day from breakfast to lunch to studying for their test. It was just incredible to see, you know, this is where our student base is. They're watching other students talk about their experiences. Um, and it was neat to see, we, we started keeping an Excel spreadsheet, actually, of all the different Temple students that we were finding, just to, you know, see how many Temple students are doing this. Is this a thing? And, and we came very quickly to find out that it, it definitely is something that college-age students are doing. And we got in touch with one of them. They got they contacted us. Uh, a student who is a film and media studies major at Temple reached out to us on our Twitter account and asked us about filming vlogs for Temple. He wanted to film one of the football games because Temple Athletics is one of his passions. Um, and we took it from there. We had him into our office, learned more about him, investigated his YouTube channel, saw that he's produced more than 100 vlogs himself. He had a great following, a lot of young people um, leaving comments on his videos asking, you know, what do you think of Temple? What do you think about, you know, Philadelphia? How do you like living in a city? Um, And it was just so interesting to see this whole social media culture on YouTube. I think a lot of people see YouTube as just a repository for video content, but it it is a social media platform where people can have conversations with each other. So one thing led to another. He's posting vlogs once a week. um, and Still as a student. Yes, still as a student. He's a freshman. So this happened in the fall, all from him getting in touch with us. And coincidentally, we were kind of, it was so bizarre how it happened. We were doing our research and a student vlogger came to us and now he he works as a student worker in the Department of Strategic Marketing Communications and he comes in once a week. We think about things he's interested in. If we have some events going on that maybe we want covered, we could tell them through the perspective of a student who's walking around with a camera. So it's, again, just like we did with Move In, what's a different way we can tell this story looking at student life now, what's a different perspective we can tell the student life story from? And that's through the eyes of an actual Temple student. So it's totally paid off 100%. We're really excited to see where our student vlog series goes. So two immediate questions jump to mind on this. One is, why is this student's video eliciting such a different reaction from students than maybe videos that Temple is publishing uh, as a brand, as an organization, as a school? And how are you ensuring that you're not losing that difference when uh, when your student worker is vlogging, essentially, on behalf of the university? We try to have a supportive role for him. We don't want to encroach too much on the kinds of videos he's producing or his style, because that's the whole point of having a student vlog for us is... I think especially with that that target demographic, 18 to 24 years, they're going to sniff out 
inauthentic content when they see it. If, if they feel like they're being marketed to, the video is not going to resonate with them. And they're probably going to stop watching it after a few seconds. And is that the difference? Is it that authentic factor that comes from a student that you just you can't reproduce as Temple? Mm-hmm. I totally think so. I think um, look if you search for vlogs on YouTube, there's a realness and a rawness to them. They're not overly produced. You've got those kind of shaky, like in the moment camera shots that show, you know, this is someone's life and they're just covering it with a camera. Um, and it, it, it definitely has its challenges because we want to be sure to give our student the freedom to do what he wants. But he's also publishing content as part of Temple University. So his vlog series is is represented on the university's YouTube channel. Um, so we have to, you know, be sure that we're supporting him and working with him to make sure that he can produce everything he wants to produce but also making sure that it's it's hitting our strategic messaging and, and keeping in line with university goals and initiatives. So for schools who are listening to this episode and they're, they're sold, they're going to invest in video marketing, what are some of the questions that they're going to have to wrestle with in terms of investing into video marketing? So I, to give a little background on me, I started at Temple in 2011 as a student worker. And then when I graduated in 2012, the position became full time and I'm still here. So we're doing something right, you know. <laughs> but so it, it just looking back at how far we've come in the very beginning it's a lot of troubleshooting. It's figuring out, you know, how do I just want to get my feet wet with video? Do I really want to hit the ground running? Um, We've um, started, you know, very bare bones, one camera, one tripod, get a good microphone. If there's anything that I can totally, you know, advise is to get a good microphone, especially if you're going to be doing interviews, which a lot of, you know, a lot of the higher ed space, you're going to be talking with students and faculty. So from, you know, 2011 through now, I've really been a one man crew. And I think a lot of different universities probably have experienced the same thing. You know, you're not going to have a a crew of five, six people on all of your shoots. But what I'm lucky about is that I got buy-in from everyone else in my department. Everyone in our department believes in video and the power that it has to really support what our department does um, as a central marketing and communications unit. So I have help from our content team. We've got our social media team. Um, We have um, a lot of different resources at our disposal. So it's if you're just getting started... I would I would definitely seek um, you know the guidance from others in your department, people from different units, whether it's social media or your writers. Um, get a group together that that wants video to explode at your institution as much as you do. And once you've got that group of people, figure out a workflow. How are you guys going to work together to execute these projects? I would be nothing without our content team. They come with me on every shoot. A writer comes with me. We conduct interviews, which which adds the professionalism to it because I'm able to focus on getting the shot right. And then we have a writer um, who's asking the questions. It doesn't always pan out that way. Sometimes you are by yourself, but it's just, you know, figuring out what is feasible in your department and then figuring out what kind of equipment you need um, and not getting too hung up 
on super expensive, super fancy equipment because, like we said earlier, you can produce video so easily now on something as simple as a smartphone that you don't need to invest tens of thousands of dollars. The biggest key to a successful video production unit in any organization is being consistent with the, with the content you're cranking out. You can't just produce one video and fall off the wagon and try something again in a couple weeks. It's just getting out there and, and you'll start to learn as you go what, what the best workflow for you and, and the team that you're working with is as well. So internal buy-in, uh, consistency, mm-hmm. and then start small with your equipment. Start small. You do not need crazy gear. Y- yes, cool, new, fancy equipment always makes your stuff look good, but it really comes down first and foremost, to the story that you're trying to tell. You could shoot really cool shots, but if it's not really telling a story or producing, you know, a message that people can relate to and walk away with feeling like, you know, some sort of sense of pride or some kind of emotional feeling to that video, then it's just nice looking footage. And finally, Gina, so every episode we do a social shout out. Who are some rock stars in this industry that really inspire you to you know, improve the videos that you're producing. Two individuals in particular, Patrick Rosenbaum and Rob Sizowitz of 2020 Visual Media. They're both Temple University alums. I know them very well. Um, they produce work in the higher ed and nonprofit sectors. They've done some work for Temple University um, as well, which is really cool. Um, I've gotten to work with them um, side by side on a couple of projects. Um, they have gotten to produce some content um for Temple in terms of we have an annual Lou Klein Awards every year at Temple University, which is for media professionals um, in the journalism and media uh, industries. Um, They've gotten to produce videos for, you know, Anderson Cooper, Tamron Hall, and Tina Fey. Um, I actually went to high school with Rob. We went through the same telecommunications program, which was really cool. They just really have a a, a knack for capturing details and telling the stories of larger um, organizations and, and larger missions, but they do it through the stories of individual people. So they really inspire me in terms of of hooking into the stories of people to get viewers to relate to what the larger mission or goal is of that that organization that they're producing the video for. And they're really great guys. They're really fun to work with. Um, Their attention to detail is incredible. Um, So they're they're definitely two guys that I would give a total nod to when it comes to to higher ed videos and, and nonprofit videos as well. Another really brilliant filmmaker in Philadelphia is Corey Pop. He's another Temple alum. I actually stumbled across one of his videos that was featured by Philly Magazine about snowy scenes in Philadelphia during a blizzard. And I, I got in touch with him, had him come to Temple, and just uh, wanted to learn more about his experience. This was a few years ago. And since then, I feel like he has really exploded in terms of... Um, his talents and his ability to capture what Philadelphia and what Philadelphia's people are all about. Um, his his videos are, are just really stunning, and he specializes in time-lapse photography as well, which is a really hot trend right now in the digital space. He has a cool um, series called Philly Makers, where he tells the stories of people that have small businesses in the city, and his, his, his shots are just so brilliant. Um, I think the one thing that I admire the most about him is that he is 100% a one-man crew, one guy, one camera, um, and he, he can do it. He can tell the stories, and, and he just gets it. Uh, so he's, he's another person that I would really give, give a nod to uh, in the, the video production space in terms of storytelling. Well, Gina, I feel like this has been an excellent podcast. So thank you so much for, for joining us. Yeah, thank and... you. It's been really fun. 